Library Land Loves, a podcast from OLA. I believe that libraries are full of the most passionate people on the planet. People who are passionate about their careers, about the people they're serving, about the programs they're running. And that passion doesn't end there. Be it the coffee they're drinking or the pop culture they're consuming, Library Land loves a lot. Hello, and I am here with Desmond at the Oise Library. Hello, Desmond. Hello, Michelle. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. So my name is Desmond. Uh, I am the outreach librarian here at Oise Library. I work primarily with Indigenous students, faculty, and staff. Do you want to tell us what you do all day? Sure. Uh, at OISE, we're a mid-sized library, so as a librarian, I help out with what's needed. Uh, every day looks a little bit different, which I think kind of keeps things spicy. Uh, we all take on roles in the library um, so that it helps function, and we also have our own project work. So on a typical day, I'll do some collections work, uh, and because I'm a selector for Indigenous for the Indigenous Education Collection, um, I'll also meet with students and faculty, and I'll curate or edit content for our social media platforms. And uh, about once a week, I'm on reference. Uh, like I said, we also have projects, so I make sure to carve out a bit of time in my day to work on some of my ongoing projects. Amazing. How many librarians are there here at Oise? We're currently six. Wow. You guys do a lot. We try. Yeah. Uh, s small but mighty. Amazing. Um, so this whole podcast is speaking with people in library land about things that they're passionate about in a top five list format. What is the thing that we're talking to you about today? So today uh, I really want to talk about five things that will help us as library people learn about issues affecting Indigenous people. Amazing. Love it. The reason I sort of wanted to go with this is because uh, as I've presented, as I've developed, um, as a librarian, a lot of library folks have come up to me and asked me how they can start learning about reconciliation. Mm -hmm. and they don't really know where to begin. Mm -hmm. uh, so I always recommend, first of all, that... Hold on. Is this your number five? No. Okay. <laughs> Tell me when it's time. Okay. So I can do my... I can come in with the number. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll go ding, ding, ding or okay, something. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I always start off by recommending that you read the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's 94 Calls to Action, but also most importantly that you engage with the Indigenous communities around you. Um, speak to an elder, speak to a community member, nothing can replace that. No amount of reading will be able to replace that engagement. Uh, sometimes though, I understand that as library people, as book people, uh, we feel better when we have something to read first, um, and so that's really what this list is today. Absolutely. Great. Here we go. Yes. Top five. Number five. Uh, the fifth thing that I'd like to talk about is uh, Indigenous Rights, a Guide to First Nations, Métis, and Inuit Issues in Canada by Chelsea Vowell. Uh, so this is a book. It's a really great book and resource that sheds a lot of light about contemporary Indigenous issues. Uh, what I really like about the book specifically is that um, it gives a great history and background leading up to the issues that are affecting Indigenous people in spaces um, now, like the cities and universities, uh, the Indigenous people around you. It's uh, written in really accessible language and it's really conversational in tone and it covers a really wide range of issues from culture and identity to treaties and state violence. Um, as an added bonus, uh, Chelsea is really witty and super sarcastic in the book. So for anyone who doesn't feel like they are be who doesn't feel like they want to be talked down to in book format, this is the book for you. Um, 
and it's all written down, so you don't have to ask anyone about it. It's all there for you. You don't have to go on Twitter. You don't need to slide into Indigenous women's DMs and ask them to do a lot of labor <laughs> for you. Uh, it's all written there. So uh, that would be my first recommendation. Love it. Sounds, she sounds like my kind of lady. Uh, number four. Uh, the fourth item that I want to talk about is A Walk on the Tundra by Rebecca Hainu and Anna Ziegler. So this is actually a children's book, um, and in it uh, there is a child, an Inuit child, who walks with her Anatsiak, uh, which is Inuit uh, for grandmother, and they go out and pick plants and medicines together. Uh, so the reason I chose this one is because it's a really understand, easy to understand resource about alternative ways to pass on languages um, and knowledges, uh, which is really important for library staff. Because I think for us as library people, we think we have the market cornered on how information is spread, and there are other cultures and other ways to spread information. Um, there's also lots of Inuktitut words that are relevant to what they're doing and descriptions of what you can learn from the land. And that's something that I often find really, really difficult to explain or to talk about. Like, what does it mean to learn from the land and how do Indigenous peoples um, share their language and share their knowledge from generation to generation? A lot of the time, uh, it's about spending time with your elders, and this is a really beautiful way of describing that. And what a great resource to use with your kids, too, so that you're all learning together and hopefully Absolutely. It's an easy way to go about that. Yeah, and I so I work in the Faculty of Education, and there's increasing research within uh, the field of education that says that children's books really shouldn't be uh, reserved for children, mm -hmm. uh, that everyone can get mm -hmm. stuff out of young adult and children's books. And so I think that's a really great way to sort of bridge the gap yeah. and uh, in really plain language talk about what can be a really difficult to understand concept. Love it. All right. Number three. Number three is the Media Indigena podcast. Uh, this is a podcast that's hosted by Rick Harp, who is Cree from Peter Ballantyne Cree Nation. Uh, and this podcast is about current affairs and media around Indigenous peoples in Canada. Uh, they tackle really important Indigenous issues uh, like the Gerald Stanley case and the Raymond Cormier trials, as well as the Site C Dam. And uh, the podcast is in a roundtable format, uh, and he has recurring panelists who are experts, Indigenous experts like Kim Tallbear and Brock Pitawanaquat, um, who are both um, Indigenous Studies professors uh, at uh, U of A and at Sudbury, I believe, respectively. Uh, they, it's a really accessible way to learn about um, how Indigenous people are affected by things in the news. I think a lot of us heard names like Colton Bushi and Tina Fontaine, mm -hmm. um, and we read things on Twitter and social media, but it's really hard to digest all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so what Media Indigena does for me is it, it discusses these things at length and also gives a lot of breadth and context um, and some genuine views from the Indigenous community by experts. Um, they also have a website uh, which features a lot of really great written articles uh, by Indigenous journalists and writers like Robert Jago. Uh, and it's a really great way to learn and to interact without being overly obtrusive. Um, and it's, it's really accessible mm -hmm. via podcast format as well. And it's Canadian? It is Canadian. Cool. I should have asked up front, are all of these resources Canadian? Uh, the first three are. Okay. The last two are not. Which leads us into number two. <laughs> number two, uh, I'm recommending American Indians in Children's Literature, which is a blog by Debbie Reese, who is Nambe Pueblo. Um, she's from the Nambe Pueblo Nation and holds a PhD and an MOIS. Hmm. 
Uh, she was also recently honored at the ALA Midwinter for her contribution to children's literature and librarianship. So congratulations oh. again, Debbie. I don't know where we would be without you. Um, on her blog, uh, she reviews children's and young adults' books and discusses the quality of their Indigenous content. So it's really uh, an incredible resource because she talks about her process on how she evaluates these things for their cultural responsibility, for their relationships to the community, um, and she also offers copious notes about how her, how she evaluates the materials, who she speaks to, um, the experts in the field, and how she contacts elders. Uh, so all of that is really important because uh, I think often we look at the final product and we can we can sort of consume the final product as is it culturally responsible, is it not culturally mm -hmm. responsible, but to learn about the process and to have a resource with such an expert who really lays it out for you like that is absolutely invaluable. It's uh, really invaluable for me as a librarian here. Um, and and you'll also find that she's really independently critical of things, regardless of uh, who the author is and what awards they've won. Um, she recently also wrote a really interesting blog post about uh, the word myth and how it's applied to Indigenous materials. Uh, so I would really recommend engaging with her work. Fantastic. Which brings us down to number one. Numero uno. <laughs> uh, so this is actually not and uh, Indigenous-led material, but it's something that I feel like I would be remiss to not to talk about. And uh, there are themes that move it into the Indigenous space. Um, so then the item that I'm recommending is Algorithms of Oppression, How Search Engines Reinforce Racism by Safia Noble. So it's that is the book that is currently blowing up the Twitter sphere. Um, so the Item, the reason I'm choosing this item is because it really does a good job of highlighting how search engine results are not a passive act. Um, this really goes into the heart of a debate that I think is really important to us as librarians and for the world in general in the information age. And that's about neutrality and information dissemination and also sources of information. I think generally we need to think more about where we're getting our information from and how it got there, even if these processes are invisible to us. Mm -hmm. And I think that this book does a really good job of uh, showing those processes. Um, on top of that, uh, where it sort of meets uh, with racism and um, anti-indigeneity is that institutional racism affects everyone. And even though this book focuses on anti-black racism in search engines, these same disturbing trends affect indigenous results and indigenous users. Um, so it's really important that we engage with this work and that uh, there are themes that affect all sorts of marginalized people, both in the library and also in where we get our information from. Thank you so much. That was great. I think it's this is one of those topics where people are th really thirsty to know more, to figure out where to find out more. And, um, and it's not always an easy, there aren't always resources at everyone's fingertips. So I think this is going to be a really helpful list. I know that every time I talk to you about these kinds of issues, my mind is blown and I learn so many things. Not that I want everyone to email Desmond and ask him <laughs> questions, but you're a great resource here. So I'm really glad that you're part of the U of T community and that you're part of the library community and thank you so much for your time today thank you so much uh please follow me on twitter my twitter handle is at desmond d-e-s-m-o-n-d c wong w-o-n-g at desmond c wong i look forward to seeing all of you on twitter thank you thank you okay.